Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodovkar Schaller. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we're going to talk about Neuromancer. Oh. Uh, but before we do, uh, Aaron, what news is there? You're in just going to skip universe? right to it? Well, no, maybe not. We did get some feedback. Uh, we got some feedback from uh, our guy. His name is Duncan, Duncan Styles, who may or may not be in the chat as we speak. And he wanted to show off um, I'll show you. this. Uh, these were Lemmings postcards. Oh. Yeah. Um, and so this is, uh, I guess they, they, these were sent in the mail uh, to people who they thought were like prospective buyers of yeah. the game. And so there are a couple of them that he sent out. Um, I guess old no from More Lemmings, a postcard from Lemongrad. I love it. <laughs> I love that. Um, a, I guess these were Psygnosis, not Lemmings specifically, because, you know, Shadow of the Beast 3. Can you imagine what the copy on that says? Well, you don't have to, because I'll tell you. Psygnosis took the best of Beast 1. Uncertain what that is. The graphics and that, sound. Okay. Mixed it with the best of Beast 2. More graphics and sound. <laughs> Add in an excess of gameplay, stirred well and baked for over 12 months to produce what is to be the tastiest game of the year. It was. I liked these three, actually. I thought it was a good game. I think it did take the best stuff, the graphics and sound, from the first two, and it added a game to it that you could play. That's what I think. So I agree with the postcard. All right. I'm in full agreement with that postcard. <laughs> and then there's also a, um, a official music video uh, Lemming's oh, music video. Lemming's hand puppets? Yeah. So you can see that guy is really having a ball <laughs> playing Lemming's. That is that is some hot, hot mouse action. That That is cute. <laughs> so the 90s, it was a more innocent time when you could do stuff like this. And so um, thank you, Duncan, for sharing all that stuff with us. We appreciate it. Um, and we also got... Where's my paper? I had a paper around here with some... Uh, some email on you don't it. need it you don't need a paper you got it memorized well uh i guess i'll read it directly from the uh the site here i'll just zoom back to here and man i can't where is that okay it's over here talk talk to the crowd aaron i'll be right back hey everyone look we've got a new set boat and uh, we've did we've ditched the green screen and now we've got the screen screen it's an actual screen and now we're we have no table we're just kind of naked here in front of everybody. Enjoy that. <laughs> and now Bud's back. This is what happens when you let me just solo. You hey, you did a great job. Uh-huh. So we got a, a message from the Slow Norris. The, real, the Slow Norris? Possible not his Like a Norris name. God Norris? No, Norris like Chuck. Oh, okay. okay. He says, hey guys, greetings from the American West. Oh, and he wanted to let us know that he joined Patreon. So thank you, Oh, yeah, Slow beauty, Norris. thanks. He says, I am fairly religious about your podcast. Ooh. You might want to find somebody else to follow. But circumstance had me tuning in and out through the day of Amigathon. When I, um, and, uh, 
he was the guy that we did the shout out for about he has an uncle that collects Mac stuff. And he said, you see, we, remember, do you dimly recall that? Vaguely recall okay. that, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, he says, uh, by the way, Aaron, you are the best. He's correct. Thank you, sir. He says, I grew, I grew up in close to Cherokee, but moved west before I discovered the Amiga. Not only are the two of you a sort of remote Amiga's, Amiga buddies, but Aaron's accent makes it all just right. Do I have an accent? Not at all. What if I went... Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate it. I could get my West Virginia accent going. When are you going to start doing oh, the accent? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll beat you down. So, and he says, Amiga forever, Amigos forever, party on Wayne, yes. the slow Norris. I love it. So I love the slow, slow Norris. Norris. <laughs> love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we have some, actually, two two kind of, <laughs> it's it's a bittersweet thing. Uh want to wish a happy birthday to our buddy Rob O'Hara. Flack. His, his birthday yes. was last week. But yes. we also have a melancholy happy trails to Flack. Uh, Flack has announced today that he is officially shutting down all of his podcasts. And so, You're kidding uh, no, me. No. And so, uh, Flack, you... Wow. You why? A, Did he say why? He said that it's just there are too many things going on in his life right now, and he just doesn't have the time that he feels necessary to to, to be able to, to do it. That's horrible, dude. Yeah. Gosh, and I hate so, to hear that. You know, for you, you're sort of... Uh, your 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 sort of page one of podcasting is Shane R. Monroe. He's sort of the, the the alpha and the omega for you. But for me, it was Flack. You know, he was the first guy that I listened to that sounded like a normal guy that was doing this podcasting thing. And I thought, well, maybe we could do something like that. And so, hearing this really it hit me like a that is like a shot to the gut. You know, that's brutal. I had not heard that. I, I love I listen to all Flack stuff. I you know I've gotten I've probably went through all the. Uh, White, what they the White Castle, the Sprite, Sprite Castle, Sprite Castle. Mm-hmm. and I've done, I, and I've listened, of course, all of the uh, you don't know Flax, and uh, actually I really enjoy. He had a couple on how to do a podcast and how to write a book that were uh, kind of older ones that I really enjoyed, or how to get a book published. I think it was, and then he did one on like, uh, God, he's got he's done so many good ones. The one on ninjas, the one on skateboarding, the ones on on the creek. I loved all those. They were all great. I listened to his stuff when he's on a guest host other shows. He used to be in everything, mm-hmm. you know. He's going to school, though, man. I hope you, you know, Flack, uh, uh, gosh, it was also nice to meet him. He was actually, we were lucky enough to have him on the show. And, uh, boy, I, I, you know, I understand. I hope you come back in some capacity. Hey, give us an annual, right? Just like comics, one a year. Mm-hmm. You know, put one together, you know, tide us over. That'd be great. But if you don't, if you're gone for good, uh, I hope you're still presence out there. And he's been very motivating and a real real nice guy yeah he was a real great to meet him i was really really happy that day it was a real honor honor to meet the guy i'm like you i've really really dug his stuff you know mm-hmm. for years and years so yeah that's a bummer but happy birthday too yeah <laughs> all right so now after all that that's depressing man we need to lift it back up let's now. lift it up with some amiga news well okay well amiga news let me grab the uh news of tron 5000 here aka my phone so First off, speaking of uh, our podcasting buddies, let's talk about the Guru Meditation Boys. Uh, they put on a, quite a show yesterday. If uh, uh, anyway, I know at least a few of the people uh, from our Brain Trust were in there. Jason, and uh, I know Rav, I saw him in the chat. Uh, but uh, these guys were quite amusing, talking about uh, uh, exploits in Poland, that Poland just had their big uh, biannual 
that right? Biannual. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, Amiga Party, which looks great. Again, I always wanted to go to one of those. So I'm assuming they're going to put this thing up to watch. Uh, and uh, it was good. I, I, I didn't get to see all of it, so I'm going to go back and watch it. But it was definitely something you would probably want to check out. They, they were, those guys are always great. Um, something I wanted to mention, sort of not news, but sort of is. When we did our, uh, you remember a few weeks ago, we did our Cloanto Amiga Forever 2017 sort of go over. Or I don't know what you review. Mm-hmm. Um, something I forgot to mention was uh, when you are when you go to the... Uh, when you go to the area to add RP9s, we talked about that. You'll recall you could pick an ADF game. You could also do that to hard drive files. I should have mentioned that on the show. So if you've got those hard drive files, there's a lot of them floating around out there for games. You could also add those directly to uh, Amiga Forever. I've gotten some nice feedback from that. Uh, people dug it, and uh, uh, I'm still using it. It's great. The snapshot thing alone is, is, is I just love it. I love everything about it. It makes everything so much easier. So, But something I thought I'd mention... Because if I don't mention it now, I'm going to forget forever. Y'all know how I am. Um, we've got. I found this thing. I saw this thing. It was so crazy. Don't don't even ask me where I saw it. I think I may have seen it on. Um, uh, was it Generation Amiga? Is that thing that site? I, I like those guys, but I have trouble accessing their site. It's real tough for me to get onto. But I did a little research and found a uh, a video from 2012. I don't think we've ever talked about this. But it was talking about four Amigas that were used at NASA. Did you see that? Have you watched this yet? I haven't seen it yet. Get this. So NASA, uh, I guess back in the day, they were cost-cutting, and they had to come up with computers to run some of their programs. And I don't mean mean like the heating and cooling. I mean like deep space probe stuff. And so they've got four Amigas, they had them, that ran these, that were very... um, um, instrumental in, in in processing data and stuff for like decades you know like i mean <laughs> like from the 80s all the way up to, i think they finally put them down in in a little like 2000 in the 2000s they were still running mm-hmm. and this video was made in 2012 so up to that point they were still in service i guess uh but if that's amazing to think that they had amigas re- helping run nasa now they didn't run the shuttle program directly but they did process of the data from the shuttle but they were involved in other like uh other like missions that nasa were doing i mean space missions mm-hmm. so they had they had amigas that were running and they've got video if you watch the video we posted uh they've actually got video footage of them of the amigas sitting there and they've also got extra amigas to part out you know and uh <laughs> i thought that was kind of wacky yeah how cool i know the, the amiga is sort of famous for having this incredible longevity for running these kinds of tasks you know that remember that that story last year about the the school's heating and cooling yeah, system that yeah. was still running on amiga 2000 yeah or yeah now here's another article i came across this week and uh i thought this was amusing uh the uh, our our buddies over to indie retro news of course uh the fellow that runs that didn't take too long of a break he's back back in action um they put out a, a little tidbit that there that there's a uh, port of Rygar, the 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 arcade game from Tecmo, uh, coming someone's porting it to the Amiga, which would be fun. I liked Rygar, and uh, it would fit right in. And uh, they've they've got a little workup. I don't know how far along they are in it, but uh, just like they've got a little a little video that shows off, you know what what's been done so far. It looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah, looks pretty it looks good. real good. You've got the scrolling in the back. Mm-hmm. Looks nice. So that 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 should be a lot of fun. Um. Here's something we touched on a while back, but I had to bring it up. 
uh, this came across my, my little, uh, I think it was, I got this on Twitter. Uh, the It came from the Desert film. We've talked about this a couple times now. Mm-hmm. It is set to debut in just a few days. Uh, it will be at a, fa- a film festival. So if anyone's real interested in uh, in catching this flick uh, and lives near the festival, I would love to hear a report from it. Uh, but uh, it's, again, based on the classic Amiga Cinemaware game. And uh, we've discussed this before. I think we both agreed that they, it's a good idea for a movie. It's sort of been done, right? But, I mean, not like the game did it. Right. You know? So there's something to it, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, um I'll watch it because I like to watch a lot of crap too, so that <laughs> that makes it easy for me to go check it out. Um, I think that's all I've got news-wise. Now there was a ton of site stuff this week uh, that that popped up. You want to cover some of that? Uh, well, there really wasn't that much. Uh, there's only one thing that's been published on the site since our last episode. Um, well, that's you're, you're also the tons and tons of of, of the uh, Amigathon. Yeah, there's still all that, that content. Too, yeah. There's still all the Amiga con- uh, Amigathon content up there on the site. What do you got? Um, Dreamcatcher has done a really awesome thing. He has gone back and looked at a ton of magazines, just you know, thousands and thousands of magazines. It seems to me, at least, and he has created a reviews database. That and so, like, if you want to know what score Cannon Fodder got and all the times that it's been reviewed, he actually has a link to a some sort of a online like PHP database uh, that you can look up whatever uh, whatever game that you want and instantly see the reviews. So this is a huge help to folks like us because we can look up the reviews when you do your review segment. It's just one click away. You can see all the scores from all the magazines. I know he is compiling this and it's. Uh, an epic job. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's finished yet. I think he's at least if he, if he's finished, he's done it here recently. Because because when I because he'd asked about doing it, if he was any interest, I was like, oh yeah, that would love to. See. And it would be, it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that guy is. Uh, uh, he, I think he's like cyborg or something. You know, to put something like that together, it's, it's insanity. But I'm hoping it comes together. But yeah, I think it's going to be awesome when he, when he does it. Did we mention, I saw on this pop-up, and maybe I'm just late to getting it up here, uh, did we mention that uh, DK also, and this may be, I don't think this is that old, but if we didn't mention it before, we remember a couple weeks ago we covered Sleepwalker. Um, he has, he actually talked to the one of the guys that wrote Sleepwalker, and it was real interesting uh, about how it came together. I don't remember us talking about this on there, that's why I mention it now. Uh, but uh, he goes into how the... Uh, uh, the uh, what the association was with uh, the uh, uh, comic relief charity, and it was pretty. It was a real good. And he also, of course, goes back into the sleepwalker. And right. How, he also talks to the guy about how I got transformed. I don't think we. I don't think we talked about it on the show, did we? Before. No. I okay. No, so, no. so that was that's a real good article. I really enjoyed that one. And you get some, you get some, uh, um, uh, an in depth look at how that stuff's done in a little in a weird way. And of course, he goes into his usual dream catcher. You know, deep, deep look. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't know if you caught this too. He put up more of his Dreamcatcher clock madness. Did you see that? He's mm-hmm. got some more of his crazy clocks. I want one. He saw a couple in there. I'd like to have. They were they were awesome. Uh, they were awesome little items. So yeah, DK as usual, hard at work. Hard at work on everythingamiga.com. Oh, I knew there was something else I wanted to mention. Uh, we were talking about uh, the video. In fact, you'd sent me a little blurb on this about. Um, a video about recapping the Amiga 600. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, 
that was our friend down in Australia. Um, I'll, we had, we had uh, that video's been out for a while, I think, hasn't mm -hmm. it? And I, I, I went and watched it because Bodie said, yeah, there's some guys in here that don't like the, the uh, technique that was being used. i got to tell you, uh, um, I'd seen that video uh, when he first put it up and didn't think much about it. And going back to, because these guys are really being jerks about it. I went back and looked. It, I've never personally popped caps like that before, but I mean, uh, um, he does the video without any trouble. It's actually a, a, quite an interesting technique, mm -hmm. and they come right off. I mean, it was I was actually amazed. I went back and rewatched. I was like, man, that's that's an interesting. But I mean, you definitely have to be a skilled hand. Right. So if anyone has seen that video, and I'd be interested to hear any comments if anybody's popped caps off of a, of, a, of a of a board that way. Like I said, I've never done it. I usually. Just take it in that soldering iron and heat up the little pads. I don't know if did you, did you actually watch that. Little oh part yeah, of the I mean, I, I watched. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched the part that people seem to have the most trouble with because yeah. a lot of people object to the way that he, I guess, removes the you know removes the capacitor. That's right. That's right. And um, I, I'm a total you know <coughs> know nothing when it comes to this stuff, so I don't know what the good way and what the bad way is. To me, if you're able to you know do what you need to do without harming the board, then you've done a good job. So. Um, I think there. If you're not a good hand, you know when you're when you've been in, when you've been redoing board stuff for a long time, you could sort of get away with some stuff. You know, like there's all kinds of times I've had to use two solder nines. Most people would tell you you should never do that, but I've done it a million times. Sometimes you have to do wacky stuff to 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 get these things off. And I, I guess a couple of the guys were upset that um, that. That this looked like something that could damage the board. It could if you if you're not an old hand, but uh, he's been doing this for uh, he's done so much electronics. I mean he he's been around the block, he knows what he's doing. It's not a technique you're go uh, every man's going to use. If you want to know what we're talking about, if you haven't seen, it, hop over in, to uh, YouTube, look under Amigos Labs, and look up a recap of the uh, of the Amiga 600. I believe it was a 600 one, mm -hmm. and you can see what I'm talking about. Again, it's not a technique that I would recommend for everybody, but. Uh, I, I, honestly, I've never tried it that way, and it's, I thought it was pretty intriguing. So it's something I'm going to uh, get some pr practice caps on and give it a shot and see if it works as well for him as it, or for me as it does for him. But something I want to touch on since there was some people talking about it. So, And I will say one thing about that article that did upset me is that, of course, this is a YouTube thing, I guess, but, man, people are just jerks. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing if you disagree with something, but, geez, the, do you have to the, get down the gutter? I think that the YouTube, you know, YouTube comments, we're very lucky that we have the, by That's, and large, you know, our videos have, you know, mostly positive things to say, but if you look at any video with any kind of traction at all, it's, it's you're, you're seeing the worst of humanity. It's really Yeah, it, it is upsetting. And if you're, you know, if you're involved in a niche, you know, hobby like the Amiga is, you owe it to the community to not be a jerk because we're trying to make, you know, we're trying to make our little home on the internet a, a welcoming place for people to, to learn. And if you disagree with the way that, you know, a guy does something, there's 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 a there's a nice way to say it. Yeah, you know, I don't know, like, what can you say? And, I, and the thing is, I, by and large, Amiga people are almost always awesome. Yeah. And I'm not saying these guys aren't. Maybe they, and I know they're real pissed off about it, but, you know, be cool about it. There's mm -hmm. no reason to be a total, you know, show your butt, right? As it were. But yeah. uh, hey, in my old age, I'm mellowed. Younger me, I might not have been. You, I'm you not, might I'm, have been one of those guys on uh, the YouTube comments. Well, let's just <laughs> no, no comment now. How about that? <laughs> so uh, maybe one day we can go through the the archive. The the were you active <laughs> on any kind of like Usenet wrestling board or anything like All that? All my <laughs> stuff was local BBS action. You know, it was. 
it would be great to have you know go back through the archives and, and pull some choice tidbits from your yeah younger days. you know it's funny uh, uh, it's it's there's nothing to replicate that BBS user base or even the use now like you said the, the stuff that the the wrote the Fido and stuff nothing even Fido was uh, it was departure when you know when I was on BBS's it were just local and you had like the same 10 12 people on them every day and you know it was just a different vibe mm-hmm. than you get and plus back in those days like I can't tell you many times like somebody would say people you know by the way would say something that somebody else didn't like they'd come get you because you were living somewhere near them They'd be like, okay, this guy, I'm going to call up Batman. Who is this guy? Oh, that's his real name? Okay, where does he live? I'm going to go get him. Mm, I had people visit me. I had a guy come to my apartment wow. and say he was going to beat the crap. And I, had, I wasn't home at the time. I'd, I'd done something he didn't like. Wow. You know? So it's not that scary. It was kind of fun. Hey, there's a, <laughs> I mean, hey, though, no, I mean, think about it. There's, um, there's a, uh, uh, a consequence to your action. That's true. So if you that's go out true. and say, you know what, your wife a, is a fat cow, and you type that online, bam. Mm-hmm. Oh, my wife is is she? I'm going to go get this guy, and then oh, I shouldn't have said that. Probably, I'm going to get crushed. Right, right. right. Um, so anyway, I guess that 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 rounds up the side updates. I've got some Aaron updates. All right, let's hear the the Aaron updates. I went and got cool two cool new things. First, this is this is this awesome hat that I picked up. I like that. I didn't notice in your picture that it was. I thought it was just random colors, but it's breakout. That's right. It's a breakout Atari hat now. I'll grant you, you shouldn't wear the Atari hat with the Amigo shirt on the Amigo show, but it was such a stupid-looking hat that I had to get it because it, I mean, it sets horribly. Look at the, look at that. What is going on here? Uh, that's, it's not the best-made no, garment it's not. that I've ever seen. But. I, uh, uh, but, hey, it's a, it's official <laughs> it's Atari official hat. Official Atari. Um, um, Somebody paid good money for that logo. I was told this came out of one of those, uh, uh what do they call those monthly boxes you get? Oh, yeah, like re- uh, Loot Crate, loot something crate like that. Or something. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was told that this was an exclusive for, from one of those things. And, and it, a big emblazon with a huge Atari logo with the breakout. I had to get it. Yeah. I also actually picked up a new 7800 game that I didn't have. Ooh. I picked up Jinx. You ever heard of that? No. Me either. Uh, I got it for a, a two bucks. <laughs> I paid for it <laughs> at a at, from a vendor and uh, at the flea market in Greenup. It's called the Hillbilly Flea Market, mm. and uh, you find all sorts of crazy stuff there. They have a lot of games up there. They d- have three different places selling retro stuff. Wow! Uh, I didn't. I, in in the past, I've seen uh, variant 3DOs. Uh, they are always like. Oh, here's something they have, which was you know they've got the new uh, they've got the new uh, Super NES Mini coming right. out, right? Mm-hmm. These guys have uh, have imported this, in, and you remember the NES Mini. These mm-hmm. guys have imported an NES Mini from China that plays like 500 games. Right, right. Uh, that I, I have saw. seen those online. And here's the crazy thing: I looked at the front of it. It's got joystick ports like an Atari. Huh? It was a DB9. Yeah, d- yeah. It's got DB9 joystick ports, uh, which I mean, I guess they just hook up fake. I didn't see what the stick looked like. I right. said they look like Nintendo The sticks. ones that I've seen, they look like regular Nintendo controllers, and they actually have a, a variant that has uh, it's like a Nintendo controller, but it's got two rows of two, so it's got the turbo buttons right above mm-hmm. it. Um, I, they look similar, except there's a sticker on the front that just says, like, game system right. instead of Nintendo. <laughs> you know, it just says game system, but it, I mean, it was, I thought that's kind of neat. 60, yeah. 67 bucks, I think the guy was asking for it. I saw them in all three stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had uh, 
there's the, one place that's a Jag controller, which I know, and uh, a few games like that. There's no, I never seen any games that I want though. It's always stuff, you know. But uh, it was still kind of neat. They had a bunch of Coleco games, by the way. Mm. I saw up there too. So, but uh, yeah, hey, I try to, I try to keep it around town when I can. Yeah. Again, you know, what are you gonna do? But yeah, I got a couple goodies. Speaking of Coleco, uh, I had my first retro gaming pickup in quite a while this weekend. Uh, one of the uh, ladies that uh, she's actually the uh, one of the secretaries at my the church where I used to work. She uh, called me up and said that she had an old game system. Uh, would I be interested in it? And I said, Yeah. And she said, It's a ColecoVision. And I said, Sweet. I will be over directly. Man, that was a and uh, right in your lap. Man. Yeah. And so she literally lives. Well, she lives in uh, Western Hills, so like right over there. And um, so I went over there and picked it up and. Brought it home and cleaned it off. Came with six games, including two copies of Zaxxon. Yes. Um, and tell them about the other thing it came with. And it worked. It came thing. with the uh, ColecoVision. I think it's the expansion module two. Is that right? I think it's it's one or two. It's yeah. the Atari expansion. Right, and this allows you to play Atari twenty six hundred games on your ColecoVision. Which it's, I, a, it's a thing that yeah. literally sits right in the front. I've got one of those, and it works. It works great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you can if you mod your Coleco. As Boat tends to do with the uh, compo- uh, composite out, mm-hmm. uh, the Atari works with it too. So you've got double trouble. You've got two in one. Yeah, and so it, that's a great thing to do. And the thing about the ColecoVision that I love is the the vast majority of titles for the system are arcade ports, and they're good arcade ports. Yes, they were. They were outstanding. Like I said, Donkey Kong stole that system, and uh, uh, but Ladybug's a good port. I've always heard mm-hmm. good things about it. Zaxxon was a tremendous port. I mean, you've got to consider the time it came out. Right. Uh, it was really good. And then it, they got a lot. The good thing about the Coleco is they got a lot of stuff from the computer lines. Like um, you got your Jumpman Junior. You got your Minor Twenty Forty Nine. Or those mm-hmm. are games that weren't commonly seen on like a console. Right. That's true. I you didn't know? think about that. Yeah. And and Minor Twenty Forty Nine. They're both great ports, mm-hmm. by the way, of those games. I believe somebody's actually ported over like Boulder Dash, a couple other things. So. It was a it was a pretty powerful little machine, um, and with the Atari expansion, you're in business. I've also got and if you ever want to borrow them, you can. I've got the steering wheel for it, uh, the which I believe that was expansion three, or it could be expansion one. I, can't, I get them confused. And then the, you could actually get a, an expansion that is the um, Adam that will actually plug into the. You can, <laughs> so you can, because like I've got the Adam computer, mm-hmm. but then there's the Adam expansion that you can hook your and and you it, hook the, it, it's basically i guess the all the other bits except for the the main bits and uh i bet that thing is pretty rare i don't know man it's uh it's crazy it's crazy it's uh i've never seen one personally locally mm-hmm. i have seen them uh, on, on on the net of course i've never expensive. seen an atom until you got yours that was you're gonna be seeing more of it i think i can't wait i can't wait um i don't know what's going on there but uh, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm, have you actually hooked it up? No, uh, I haven't hooked it up yet. I don't have the. Uh, I don't really think I have a TV that can accept that kind of a uh, output. Um, and so. Yeah, that's why you need to do the mod. But yeah, I want to do the mod, and uh, for uh, Aaron is is uh, gesturing at the screen. If you're watching on the stream, I realize that the stream is bad. Um, it's because I didn't set it up right. Uh, so there's a little bit there's a I realize there's a lag um, when you watch the recorded version of this it will not be an issue and I apologize to those of you that are watching now for the quality of the stream like I said this is the first time with the new setup back on the laptop 
uh, I didn't set up OBS uh, to take advantage of the bandwidth the way that I should. So guys that are watching live, sorry. Um, check out the recording, and it'll be at full quality with, with no issues. I'm glad you know what's going on. Yeah. Well. Humming, humming, humming. But anyway, um, so uh, there was one other thing that I wanted to talk. Oh, yeah. So it's it's been kind of crazy around here in between you getting some stuff and the Coleco. There's a pinball machine for sale locally at a local thrift store. Yes, there is. I took many pictures and had a good hard look at this thing. Yeah. So this is a, a, a Williams Swinger. Uh, machine from 1972 yes and um it is for sale locally here at the uh restore which is the thrift store that benefits the habitat for humanity just right down the street from me yeah Amazing. yeah and um they want 400 bucks for this and we kind of had a little back and forth yesterday over text about whether <laughs> we thought this was this was worth it or not so aaron why don't you state your case for why you think that 400 dollars is a fair price for this machine well um Four hundred dollars is sort of rock bottom for a pinball machine these days. Um, I've seen far worse examples go for more. This one has nice stenciling, the cabinets in in really good shape considering the age. The um, coin door, everything looks solid. The back glass is in immaculate shape. The play field is in really good shape. I mean, there's some flaking, but it's in maybe a little bit of touch up. But I mean, if, again, considering its age, and you're talking about a machine that's going on 45 years old mm -hmm. uh it, it was in good shape everything the legs weren't rusty i pried off the back uh, box panel to look inside it was complete it looked orderly it didn't smell weird mm -hmm. it was dirty but of course it hasn't been touched by human hands for probably a long time yeah um the it uh the rubbers even looked okay the rubbers had came off the flippers they disintegrated which that's pretty common uh, but i mean they weren't like burn up i saw a couple small brown marks on some of the on some of the uh, uh bumpers uh and so which indicates probably the lights have gotten hot so that means there could be that's pretty common with something that old mm -hmm. but you never know there could be an issue there uh, but overall uh it looked like a pretty good little item it had a a very un unusual moving target in the middle of the play field which i thought would be fun uh and uh the theme was cute. My girlfriend really liked it. Mm -hmm. She was bugging me to buy it. I thought I never thought I'd see the day where I would be lobbying to not buy a pinball machine. <laughs> uh, but overall, I thought it was really good. In fact, I thought it was so good that I called up my uncle or my—it's hard to explain—but relative. Is this the guy that lives on the mountain? No. Oh. And uh, he, who has just moved to town? He was talking about getting wanting to get a pinball machine. He's actually my—he—I've he, always considered him sort of an uncle. But he's actually a cousin, uh, but. Uh, um, I said, listen, here he wants an old one. I said, this is the one. Mm -hmm. You should go down and have a look at it. And he's going to go down there. He's going to be there when they open tomorrow to go have a look at okay. it. Okay. Yeah. So what? What about? I know you were. I know you were worried about the locks. So I, I was down. Perhaps I've been spoiled with my $150 fully working pinball machine, but I just think that there are too many unknowns about the interior for me to to, to spend 400 bucks on this thing. Uh, the the keys are not present. The back box key, of course, is not as much of an issue because it was <laughs> held together by some uh, packing tape. Yeah. And so that's easily to get in. But uh, the underside where all of the wiring is, all the serious wiring, is inside the body of the pinball machine. And these EM systems, 
when you look under there, it really looks complicated and there's a lot going on there. And one thing that really kind of disturbed me was just the presence of that moving target because there's there's machinations in there that cause that thing to go back and forth. And there's it's not your normal sort of pinball electronic device. Um, I would be hesitant to pay that much. What I feel like is you're right. That is that's the that's the bargain. That's like sort of the bottom floor price for any pinball machines around 400 bucks. Um, if it was fully working, I'd say yeah, definitely 400 bucks out the door. But not being able to look inside of it, knowing that you're going to have to drill that drill that lock out and look inside, and what you find inside might might be unfixable. It might literally be unfixable. Well. It's a Williams, so you won't have any trouble finding parts. There's, there's that. So it knows no, that won't be any issue. They've got parts. That's no problem. The key could be in the back box. That happens sometimes. I could have to be. look for could it. Could be. Uh, drilling the lockout, that's no problem. I've done that to tons of those, so that's no big deal. Not knowing what's underneath, you know, it is what it is. Um, I would wager this machine hasn't been broken into too many times. Uh, I didn't see a lot of scuffing around the lock bar, so it may not have been worked on that much. It may have. It looks like it's been maintained and kept taken care of because it's it's in good shape. So I I would. It's a gamble. You know, it's a gamble. Uh, is it worth four hundred bucks? If I was in the market for another machine, or even if I wasn't, even if it was like I just came across it and I had somewhere to put it. Mm-hmm. I would have bought it. I'd have bought the hell out of it in- instantly. I wouldn't have thought twice. I wouldn't have looked into it as much as we just talked about. Uh, but uh, uh, I don't have, I don't have a space for another pinball machine, and I don't, and I've got some that are broken, and I don't have, I don't feel like it's good to get something else that's broken, possibly. Right. You know. But I mean, I looked at the power cord and everything, and it, it looks like it's a, it's a, it looks like a decent unit. Mm-hmm. It will probably. Will probably not be too jacked up. It, uh, if it's complete, you're in business. Yeah, absolutely. And chances are it is. Chances are it's uh, you know it's just it's fallen into not being used for 20 years. It sat in somebody's basement, and it might it might fire right up. So if you end up you know if you're watching the show and you ended up going over to the restore in Hurricane and uh, buying it, then uh, let us know. I know everyone that walked in looked at it, so mm-hmm. he won't. I, if it's there by the end of the day tomorrow, I'll be surprised. Yeah, yeah. If my uncle does or cousin, whatever, if he doesn't buy it, I'll be surprised as well. So there you go. Cool. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, move right on into this week's game, Aaron. This okay. week's game is Neuromancer. Neuromancer. So I picked this game. And I'll tell you why. I just happen to have this at work with me. So and this is before we even picked the game. This is the original copy of Neuromancer that I was given uh, before I'd ever heard of William Gibson or had anything, any idea of what it, what it was all about. My buddy Jerry, who also know what Amiga guy, I might add, he said, listen, you guys, you got to read this book. You've got to read it, he said. And so I was like, okay. And I guess this would have been probably, oh, 87, okay? Now, I'm, when did this book come out? This was like late 70s, 84, right? 84, okay. when it came out. And... Uh, um, so I said, okay, I'll give this a shot. And he knew I wasn't like a, a, a huge reader, uh, but I thought, yeah, 84. And uh, uh, and let me tell you, this changed me. This book changed me from, uh, the way I looked at computers and the way it also made me want to do bad things <laughs> because it, it sort of stopped, really kicked me down the uh, path in terms of 
the hacking side of computers, and it got me into like really, I mean, not the book's fault, but just a phone freaking and the, and the uh, poss and the thought of uh, of of the of the internet and computers as a as in a virtual space. It's a tremendous book. I don't know if you've ever read it. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, you lent I lent you this. Then you have a copy. Oh said. my gosh, that's right. <laughs> hey, sorry, I can't remember. Um, you have does yours look like this on the front? I, I uh, or does yours have the face? No, mine doesn't have a face. I think that's the even though you didn't loan that to me, I think that I read the same the same trade paperback yeah. as that. Uh, there's the the first edition has like a face right here, so not that not the uh, face you see there. So anyway, this was a revolutionary book. Uh, let's talk about yeah, I mean, it, and you sort of have to know a little bit about the book before you get into the game. So let's talk about the book a little bit. Um, the the book tells the story of a sort of a burned out hacker, and this sort of uh, in a in a future, the old not too distant future that is uh, where the world is sort of controlled by huge corporations mm -hmm. who run the security and st uh, of stuff. People are routinely augmented uh, to to uh, um, enhance their abilities to fight or to uh, to act to run around on the internet, which is called the Matrix. Ironically, in this, uh, the term uh, the the whole thing about jacking in the Matrix. Uh, that stuff all came from this book, or uh, uh, one of his earlier short stories called Burning Chrome, I believe it was called. Uh, the uh, main character's name is Case. In the book, Case is that guy who uh, has he screwed over someone he shouldn't have screwed over. They basically took away his ability to access the Matrix, and in the book he finds an employer that's willing to give him his abilities back for a price, and that's a job. And he hooks up with a girl named Molly Million, who is a uh, a street samurai, basically a uh, a person who's been augmented. Uh, to I believe she has monofilament whips, which are which basically she can kill you real easy. And they team up to do this guy's work as they try to figure out what's going on. Uh, it's a it's worth reading. I'm not going to go into it fully, but it's it's uh it it gets very interesting in terms of the way it addresses what the Matrix is, which is a visual representation of, of uh, a computer system, mm -hmm. right? Like like Tron. It's very much, in fact, if you watched the new Tron, um, at the very beginning of the movie, there's a speech that is like, a, he, he uh, imagined the uh, data as cars, or what would it look like? Cars, helicopters, mm -hmm. or streets. That's pretty much the way William Gibson uh, uh, described them, as a city, mm -hmm. you know? And so... Uh, with that information in mind, and, and this, by the way, uh, will be made into a film. Uh, he's already had, William's already had uh, uh, Johnny Mnemonic, which is one of his, which is a terrible film that, that was made uh, off one of his books. It's very surprising that there hasn't been a Neuromancer movie. If you've, have, have you read it recently? No. Uh, having looked back through it, um, it won't be the easiest thing to film. Hmm. And I think heavy rewrites will probably be in order to make it something that your average film viewer would enjoy. Um, but that much said, uh, it was this was the this was the uh, book that started what's known as like the cyberpunk movement, or the or or the uh, a lot of the lingo that was in it um, has you know has became part of the lexicon, right? And so with that in mind, and with the pop man, one more thing, this swept all the science fiction awards the year it came out. Hmm. So everyone knew about it. I mean, it's a it's a monumental book in terms of that of that genre. So if it came out in eighty four, 
surely there would be a game. And there was, and it was Neuromancer. So, and I learned a lot about this that I had no idea. So, Neuromancer and Amiga came out in 89. Okay, I believe it maybe came on the PC in 88. Okay, I believe was that was the original release. It came on just one disc. Uh, it was published by EA in Europe and Interplay in the rest of the world. And I believe that Interplay developed it uh, as well. Um, it's one player, uh, and it is a... Uh, uh, what would you call it? It's, it's a role-playing game, effectively. Uh, so the guys that worked on it, there's a, the fellow that did the art in it was named Robert Lamb. Uh, he did Robert it. Lamb? Yeah. It's one of the guys in Chicago. Bobby Lamb. So he did Buck Rogers, if you ever saw that on the Amiga, and a game that I have played, Death Knights of Kren, from the old D&D series. That sounds cool. Um, the graphics were done by a guy named uh, Charles Weldman. He was involved in a game I totally forgot existed called Bard's Tale Construction Kit. You remember that? No. Uh, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. He also did Lord of the Rings Volume 1, which I do remember that as well. I'm, I'm old. And then, I uh, get this. The music in this, there were three people credited. Um, there's not a ton of music in this, but I'll get into some of the reasons why. So, one of the guys was uh, a guy named uh, Kurt Hyden. He did the music in Battle Chess, if you remember Battle Chess on the Amiga. Of course, it does a million Battle Chesses. Uh, now, here's one. Uh, one of the musicians was a guy named Dave Warhol, who did, among other things, he did um, F-18, which we played. He also did Indiana Jones uh, and Last Crusade and Ferrari, Formula One, and Bard's Tale 1 and 2. He did the music, so pretty decent. But the main advertised musician on this was Devo. The band Devo, do right there on the uh, right there on the now, title do, screen. Do, do you remember Devo? I that do. Much? Well, you know, I watch I watched a lot of '80s music videos, and so I only know them. I know that they they're from Kent State, from Kent, oh, Ohio. I didn't know that. Yep. That's, that's funny. I didn't know that. And um and they wear funny hats they and they wear... sing a song about whipping things. That's right. Um, so they did a song called uh, they did an album called Total Devo, and there's a song on it called Some Things Never Change, which mm -hmm. is the title track. That the that place when it, oh yeah, you know, at the beginning of the game. Now, uh, I first saw this game when the, um, this is one of the few times you're ever going to hear me say this, but I first saw this game with the C64, and so the C64 did something the Amiga doesn't do. It actually sings the song. It plays a sample of the song at the beginning that kind of loops around. There's two big long samples, mm -hmm. and I was pretty impressed with this back in the day. I was like, man, this is they've got the actual song from Devo on here. So I, w I remember being disappointed when I loaded up the Amiga version that just played that little, and the tune that they right. put in was not even that good no. of a it rendition. Sounds, it, yeah, the, the really wasted opportunity, especially since they advertise it right there on the box. It is. It's right on the box. It says, song by, you know, hit song by Devo or whatever. So that's that's a letdown. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's funny. This game is, is uh, real wacky in my feelings on it. So uh, this game, I believe it originally came out uh, on the PC, and it was ported, I think. The ports, the PC version and the Amiga version are pretty similar looking. The PC version is washed out. It's only a 16-color uh, version, the one I played. Now, there's a VGA version, but I don't remember it looking that much better. Uh, this was also came out, and get this, this came out on the Apple II GS. Yeah, so I've got some ports here, um, and you can see that the, I actually prefer the 8-bit systems. I think they actually look, there's a little bit more style to the graphics. Now, the Amiga is more detailed, but like the Apple II, the 2GS version, it's the, the colors are really bright. Um, everything is just a little less, I don't know, 
grim. Now, I understand this is a grim game, so you don't want to, but yes. I don't know that. I, I feel like the C64 and the 8-bit version and the uh, the Apple II versions have, have more charm to them than sort of the uncanny valley of the more realistic representations of the characters. That's just me. Well, I, I can understand what you're saying uh, in, a, in a lot of ways. Um, I didn't. I grew up playing. I didn't grow up because I, I was out of high school. Yeah, in I was going to say. <laughs> so, um, I, I played mostly the uh, the 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 PC and the Amiga version. Again, mm-hmm. they're eerily similar. Yeah. And the, and the other two don't look. And like I said, I, I, while I saw this on CC4, I didn't play it there that much. It, they're they're different, but the same. I guess. I mean, it, it's, it gets you the same place. Mm-hmm. It plays about the same, but it's a, it just looks. It's a different graphical. Yeah, I mean, the GUI is is the same. You know, as far as the command window and things like that. It's just the. the it's funny the Apple II version. I guess this is says Apple II slash two GS. I'm guessing they didn't take advantage of what the GS. Probably not. That, probably not. Uh, because that looks rudimentary compared mm-hmm. to what the GS can can do. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, um, to the best of my recollection. Playing this, the little time I spent on the C sixty four, and a lot of time I spent on the PC and Amiga versions, they pretty much p- play the same. Uh, and when I say play the same, I mean you're. This is not a shooter. This is a this is a role playing game. So they they probably would. Mm-hmm. Um, so the game itself is based on the book in in a few ways. Um, the story in the book, I'm not going to go into how, because you should read the book, but it's a pretty convoluted tale that it has a lot of twists and turns. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the PC slash Amiga slash Apple version, uh, um, they first of all, they, they get rid of one of the main characters. Basically. Molly is gone. She's not in it. And Case is not... The, his problems are different than they were in the book. In the book, he couldn't get on in the, the Matrix because he had this chemical in his blood that wouldn't let him get on. Well, that's now that's gone. All the plot, everything from the book, plot-wise, is mostly gone. Uh, and the plot in the game is someone is killing off uh, cyber cowboys, which is what they call people that get on the net, that get on the Matrix. And Case is sort of looking into it. Um, the uh, um, The things that the game and the books have in common are the a- some of the AIs. In, in the game, eventually, you're going to come up against AIs, artificial intelligence, that are causing trouble in the Matrix, and you're they're basically, the plot of this game is you're trying to stop them. But of course, since it's one of those classic 80s type uh, role-playing games, there's a lot of fetching and a lot of uh, um, give this to him, give mm-hmm. that to her. But, and and which is because I'm not really into that stuff personally. Yeah, it's it's a lot of item manipulation but, and inventory management. But there's it's offset by the things that make me love the game, and what makes me love the game is your ability to use a, a, your computer to do things in the game. Uh, the game has um, a thing called a PAX, which is a, a public access terminal that you use for banking and for a message base. And when you log on to it, you'll go to at the beginning of the game. You'll just go to places that have a PAX, and you can and you can use it. And you'll use the database, the the uh, message base, and the data you read, the news, to get clues on what to do in the game. All right. So um, once you get started, uh, you get a message from a fellow and says, "Here's a couple passwords. To get, here's a couple addresses to get you started." And it gives you a couple addresses. So in this game. 
you've got a deck that's sort of like almost like a web browser in a certain mm -hmm. your early deck, and it lets you type in a an address. Like for example, you at, at the beginning of the game, you're staying in a cheap hotel called uh, called the Cheap Hotel, and you type in cheapo, and that's the address for the hotel, and you access their bulletin board system. This is so much like um, getting on bulletin boards because <laughs> effectively it's what you're doing. And you can get on there, and at first you can't do much, but eventually as you learn more about path, the passwords to get higher level accesses to these things, it allows you to become more powerful in a way. For example, one of the early things you learn how to do is to be able to access the hotel's um, bulletin board and change your bill. So instead of owing X amount, you owe nothing. Mm -hmm. You can order room service for free, as much as you want. You know, and you're like, okay, I'm getting somewhere. And as you slowly gain access to these bulletin board systems from these different um, uh, different fellows, I mean, sometimes it's a, a bank, sometimes it's a the IRS, sometimes it's uh, a restaurant or a guy that sells computers or hacker groups. And you'll get on and you'll, and you'll be able to read what they're talking about and you can glean information. Uh, just as a quick example, if you go to one of the bulletin boards early in the game, they're talking about someone made a chess program and they hacked it. So it says it's a level one program, but it's a level two program. So you can download this program to your deck, log onto the World Chess uh, BBS, and you can use your program to get to win money. And you can get money that way. <coughs> and this makes this is the spice of the game for me. I still, when I cleaned out that building to build, uh, to put Amigo Studios in, I found a bunch of my old notebooks and stuff. And in one of my notebooks, I found my original crib notes for this game mm. uh, with all the passwords and all the bulletin boards written down on wow. it. Wow. You know, and that's. You should have brought that. I wish, I didn't know where I put it. Mm. I did keep it. Mm. Uh, but uh, um, that's what, to me, that's the best part of the game. Uh, and. There are things about the game that I don't like, which I'll get into, but this overrides it. And then eventually in the game, you're building up your money. You're building up your cash enough to buy uh, one of the decks that can give you access to the, to the, uh, to the matrix. Um, there's the bulletin board. That's just like an average bulletin board. Then there's the matrix. That's when you jack in and you go into the matrix. Uh, and that's where the meat of the game is. But up to that point, most of the early part of the game is spent gathering money, gathering information, and then gathering software to put on your deck uh, to, to make it, um, to expand it, right? Uh, another thing you can do is augment yourself with chips, skill chips. Uh, an example of this is early in the game, you need to, you need a password to get to the second, to a, you need an advanced password for a bulletin board, and you've got a password for it, but it's encrypted. So you can go out and get a cryptography chip put it in your head, and then you can type this word in and it will decrypt it for you. And then you can type that in as a password. That's how you find the password out. These different skill chips will do different things uh, throughout the game. Uh, it's, it's, it's very clever. And, it, and unlike a lot of games where I'm not a big inventory guy, I don't like to manage an inventory mm -hmm. that much. And so, and I don't like, I'm not another, I'm also not into like really, you know, some games have a lot of like uh, customization and stuff. It just gets too complex for me. I just I get lose interest. You know, this game it's it's just enough. You can go out and get your new deck. You can get your software. You can upgrade your software, and it, and I can keep track of it because it's something I'm familiar with. Is just a computer. You know, um, 
but at, that early in the game, you're upgrading your deck, you're upgrading your software. Then you make that jump into cyberspace, and you find the true mysteries of the game. Uh, and, and you encounter these AIs, and you're able to you're able to do stuff from cyberspace that you can't do from a bullet board. You know, you're actually uh, able to attack uh, computers via brute force. You know, which means infiltrating what's called ICE, uh, which is uh, uh, internal countermeasure. Uh, which this is another this thing also the book also spawned that term for uh, uh, for a security. You know, if you've ever heard that. Um, and so that's that makes that's a whole different section of the game. It really once you become go into the matrix, the game sort of adds a third layer at that point, and then you will go on and you once you gain access to uh, systems that way, there are further rewards, further program upgrades, further information that leads you to your ultimate goal. Um, so you can see why I like this game. It reminds me of, it reminds me of my old BBS days in a lot of ways. So. Before I go into the stuff I don't like, what did what did you think about the uh, you know the game when you because this is the first time you've had to go at this right? Yeah, well, hearing you talk about it makes me really want to love it. Um, but playing it like I did, sort of going in blind, I didn't have a, a really good time. And my main problem with this game is a problem that that hampers a lot of point and click adventure games from this era. And that is, it's way too easy to get penalized for just trying to explore the world. So you get arrested for taking the wrong step, you know, anywhere. Uh, and in a game where they want you to explore this world, I don't know, it seems like it's at odds with that. You end up having to sit through this stupid scene in a courtroom like I did a thousand times. And it really made me not want to play it that much because I didn't know exactly what was underneath the surface of all this. Um, I was disappointed by the, um, the, the game world itself. I mean, you know, the, the book is set in Neo Tokyo. And in my mind, you know, I'm seeing, you know, neon signs and Japanese characters and all this. All these signs are in English and look like they were taken from the first Leisure Shoot Larry game. <laughs> it does have, it does have a, a very dark Legion Suit Larry quality. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought this this sort of, you know, the first time that you get into the packs, it's it's a wall of text. And I realized that that's, that's what, you know, BBSs were. It was, it was all text-based. Right. But I didn't, maybe I just didn't, I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, why is it important for me? Is it important for me to read all this text? And so, like, like I said, hearing you talk about it now, I'm like, man, this really sounds cool. Um, but, you know, going into it blind, you would never know any of that stuff. You know, it's funny because I was looking online to see, uh, I was going to see a playthrough since I spent a long time since I beat it uh, back in the day. And I, I, I looked at my notes before, and I guess I did, I must have beaten it because I had notes up to the end. I know that. Uh, and no one, there is no playthrough for it because you talked about me doing a playthrough, which it, that would be a long. I think about doing a series of them. The reason mm -hmm. is, is no one has even come close, right, to doing it. They just they usually be quick, quick. I can understand, and I've seen a lot of the people review it and have a similar opinion. This is not one of those games where you just flip through the text screens to get on this. The I mean, that's the BBSs the it, are yeah. actually where you get a lot of your information, right? Um, and you get passwords and you get software. Uh, <clears throat> what lets this have playing this game again? I remember this from before in terms of, but I mean, it come home. I, I the interface for this game is not bad, but there are things that I don't like. Um, 
your guy rolls around real slow. Now, there's I know in the PC version, it was like you could hold down a combination and get your guy to haul butt across the screen. I can't remember what it was. I tried a bunch of keys. I can't remember. It would have been a lot easier if you could have just controlled your guy with the keyboard. Yeah. In this game, it's unlike any other uh, adventure game I've ever played where you have, like, the King's Quest games where it is, you know, cursor-controlled. Then you have the games like the LucasArts games, which are mouse-controlled. This one, instead of just clicking on a place where you want to go and your guy walks there, you yeah. have to hold the mouse button it, down. You know what it reminds me of? It's like Diablo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very like, Diablo-esque. Except this is not a good... A good I didn't like it in Diablo, so I hated it. Right. Then. Um, the way they, I remember when I first played this, I couldn't figure out how to get anywhere. It's because they put those little slits at the bottom of the screen to represent, okay, you can go that way. But, I mean, if you're not paying attention, you're like, you don't have any idea. There's even a little slit down at the bottom of the screen to get there. Right. Um, the graphics, especially for an Amiga, uh, are crummy. The sound is crummy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, um, they, all that stuff could be done better. There are there are pitfalls in the game that can screw you. For example, I was just playing it. I was playing it today. I've gotten to a point where I got a guest pass to go to this restaurant from Armitage, and I went in there and, and I went in there and I uh, got some information. And I thought, well, should I give him my guest pass? And I gave it to him. Well, it's gone and I can't get back in that restaurant, so I'm probably boned. Yeah. Because I can't get it back. All right. And I know, and I know for a fact. That I need to ask him about some Japanese corporations, and I can't get in there to ask and him. And unlike King's Quest or the Sierra games, you do not have multiple save states. Well, I right? do. <laughs> well, okay, if you're a, playing on an emulator. Thank you, Cloantos. Right. <laughs> but if you weren't, then, you know. Oh, yeah. Because well, no, the, the can, options. You, have, you can save. Well, yeah, there. but I, as far as I can tell, when you start the game, it says new game or, you know, load game. And when you go into load game, are there actual multiple load oh, states? Oh, no, no. Yeah, no. so like if you if you didn't <laughs> save right before that and then somehow you saved after it, yeah. it's over. I'll also say, I'll, I'll bounce back what Bo said, Chiba City is not attractive in this. Uh, it's, they, it's um, oh gosh, it takes so long to get anywhere. For example, there's an there's a outfit that worships Pawn. By the way, this is nowhere near the book. But there's a bunch of guys. I will say this. I'll lead into something with this. But there's, there's a bunch of guys in the game that worship Pong, and their head bunk is called Nolan. Did you get to those guys? Oh, I, I didn't see that. And and um, they, it, they and they want they're dying to get their relic back, which is the Holy Joystick. And there's a picture of an Atari Joystick on the wall. <laughs> to get there, it's just it's it's such a you have to go so far, and then to get you know everything in the game it takes forever to get to because it's so slow. Again, I know there's a shortcut for this on the PC. I don't know what it is on the Amiga, and I couldn't find any documentation that mentioned it. It was driving me nuts. Uh, but uh, uh, So that's part of it. Now, I will say, some people, this game has a ton of humor in it. I don't know if you noticed this. And some people didn't like the humor. I will say, the book is pretty humorless. This game, you know, I'll, the game itself is not like the book in a lot of ways. Okay, it's not a good, accurate representation. You're not playing as Case like in the book. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like Case. There's no Molly. Everything's changed. Okay, that said, uh, it takes concepts from the book and creates a game. I'm okay with that because the game has a great payoff. It's a lot of fun, and as you build yourself up, you feel like you're doing a good job. If you are looking for something that strictly follows the book, you're going to be disappointed. If you don't like this sort of tongue-in-cheek, almost Leisure Suit Larry-like, not dirty, but just that real wacky sort of humor, you're not going to like it. Uh, uh, 
if you I think it's nice. This is uh, one of the earliest examples I can think of where you have multiple like dialogue trees where you can select your response. Yes, uh, I'll, I'll, I thought that was cute. I mean, eventually they, you know, they all lead to the same path. Well, I'm sure, I mean, they, you can get, you know, you can get arrested if you say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you can like I was in the store buying some software from a guy, and I said like I'm a cop. Give me your information. And I should I knew this was going to happen. I did anyway. He called the cops. I'm arrested. And like Boat says, when you get arrested, you're, you're in a, a, a little room with a, with a video screen in front of you with a judge, a video screen to your left with a lawyer. And no matter what you say, you're paying. Mm -hmm. You know. In fact, I got executed uh, today. And, well, and one thing about this game is when you get killed, you wake up in the body parts store, and they take all the money you had, and then they send you out. And so the only way you can get your money back is to sell your body parts. You can sell every part of your whole body, and they replace it with pla cheap plastic knockoffs. You know, which you can get away with it. it doesn't hurt you, but when you go into cyberspace, you have no hit points. That's mm -hmm. how your uh, your body constitutes your hit points. You know, so when you go into cyberspace, if you've got plastic parts, you get crushed quickly. Um, if you've ever played uh, Shadowrun, Shadowrun was taken almost verbatim from the book. And so this, this has a lot in common with that, too, from the hacker side of it. That's always something that reminds me of. I personally like the humor. I thought the judge... And stuff was funny. I know I've heard people say they don't like the robot. There are robots in the game that tell you to move along, citizen. Mm -hmm. You know, that's really something else that's not in the game. That's sort of like, that's more like a big brother type right. thing. Right, There's There's definitely some I mean, 1984 not book, I say. Like, elements, yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, that stuff, does, it's irrelevant to me mm -hmm. for the most part. Um, the meat of this game is getting, is getting your deck built up and going into cyberspace. Anything outside of cyberspace or outside the bullet board system is almost a labor in, in a way. Um, for me, the payoff is worth the labor. For others, it might not be. And I certainly, going into this game without any sort of prior knowledge of what you're doing would probably be pretty difficult. It, there's, there are walkthroughs and facts available for it uh, that I would recommend picking up to get you started. But there is something to say. If you ever played a game called Hacker that was out years ago, this, this, there's some similarities in the fact that they just sort of throw you in and you're sort of left to your own devices to figure out what to do. You know, now if you've got the instruction manual, it, there is some backstory to it. Uh, this game also featured a code wheel. I remember hating this code wheel back in the day because I didn't have one. I had these papers that had mm -hmm. readouts and crap on it. Uh, so that, so thankfully that's been removed from the Amiga version that I played. Uh, one thing I want to get in before we moved on to the eBay, and this is something I never heard. And I read this, it blew my mind. Uh, do you know who Timothy Leary is? Yeah, the LSD guy. Yes, he was. So... If you don't know who he is, he was a very famous American doctor. He was a doctor who, I mean, helped uh, popularize the use of LSD as a as a, uh, a as a leisure time a drug or a drug to ex expand your horizons. Tune in, turn on, drop out. That was his line. Um, Doctor Leary uh, eventually, into the '80s, became obsessed with computers. Hmm. And he loved the book Neuromancer. In fact, he bought the rights to make the film. Really? And he also was heavily involved in making the game, an, a game that wasn't this game. Uh, his game had, now listen to this, this wacky stuff here. So his game was going to be, it was going to star him, uh, excuse me, it's going to star uh, uh, Grace Jones was going to be in it. Do you remember her? She was the girl that was, uh, she was a Bond villain in uh, View to a Kill. She was a, Tall black girl with a mohawk. Okay. Or a crew cut. She was also in the Conan, one of the Conan movies. 
big, mean-looking chick. Uh, she was going to be in it, and it was going to be written by the same fellow uh, uh, that wrote Naked Lunch, what William Burroughs, I believe is his name. Uh, and this was going to be a, a game that was going to have uh, 3D rendered graphics, and it was going to be artistically directed by uh, this famous uh, graffiti artist. I mean, this was going to be an out-there game. And Sounds movie. like it. Uh, but it just it didn't happen, and so eventually they agreed to uh, let uh, e uh, EA and him have a crack. And, and if you if you play the game, and I just noticed this, I I'd seen it before, but I never made the connection because I never read this information about uh, Timothy Leary. But in the game, uh, there's a on one of the message bases they talk. They Doctor Leary's posting on there, oh, and so they actually incorporated wow. it in the game. And also another thing you'll find is Molly posts on one of the. If you go to the uh, psychiatrist uh, bullet board, there's a post from Molly Million in there. So they've incorporated some of that leftover stuff in the, you know. Mm -hmm. Again, if you didn't read it, you wouldn't know, right. you know. So I thought that was just the wackiest thing that uh, uh, Timothy Leary was going was gonna to actually make, produce this game. Um, so overall, do you recommend it? I can't really recommend it um, because I, I didn't play it the way that it was probably supposed to be played and I feel like in today's in to, for today's gamer I don't think that they're gonna unless you grew up going to BBS's and you you like reading you know walls of black text on white background um, and getting most of your enjoyment from that text there's 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 very little game outside of that it sounds like I can understand what you're saying I'll be honest with you that much said um, I know you love it it, I do. Yeah. And I still love it. I, yeah. I, I, in fact, I, I played it a lot uh, up leading up to this. I had a couple of weeks to sit down and play I it. I think that you should. I'm serious. I think you should do, <laughs> like you said, the series because nobody's done a complete playthrough. And I'd love to watch. I'd get more enjoyment watching you play it and talking over it than I would playing it That's myself. That's probably what I'll, what I'll do now that I've got a proper rig. I will say something else that made it fun is my friend Jerry, who, who is the one that got me to read the book. We played it at the same time. And so we could help each other out with passwords back and forth, and it made it a lot of fun to do it in tandem mm -hmm. uh, because it felt like it really did. If, if you're a kid from my generation, you always heard about these hackers, Kevin Mitnick and these guys. And you know, I mean, not everyone, but I was like, man, it'd be cool to do that. And it makes you sort of feel like you're hacking yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it was and it was fun, and it really it that added a lot to it. So I guess someone that was like me would like it more than someone that wasn't into that stuff at the time. Um, Personally, I do, despite all of its flaws, bad music, crummy graphics, uh, slow-moving guy, you know, weird weird cityscape. It's, it's got everything going against it. I still would recommend it because I think it's a, uh, it's a fun game that delivers uh, an adventure content that you don't normally get from, from, a, from, I can't think of any other game that does it this way. And it also gives you, I mean, not only can you receive messages on the boomers, you can post. And people will reply to you if you give, depending on what you put in the post. Uh, it gave you the feeling that there was a living world. And something else that would happen, for example, uh, if you got arrested, it would show up in the news on the packs every night. So oh. you might go in there a couple of times if you got caught talking to a hooker. Oh, you know, it would and it would always kill you that these, you know, these. Right. So I always thought that was kind of clever too. So you feel like you're in like a living world when you're. It's funny. It's sort of ironic too that you feel like you're in a living, breathing world 
when you're on the BBSs. But when you're actually out in the world, it's as it's as antiseptic as it gets. Well, you know, that's in a way that's the danger of this book. That is the tomorrow that this book is sort of espousing is that you know your life in the real world is not going to be <laughs> as exciting as your life in the Matrix. We're marching towards that, aren't we? We are. So this game reviewed well. Uh, it won uh, won game of the years uh, when it came out. Uh, Role playing game of the year. It was it was pretty popular. It was well received and all. On all the, on on the PC especially, uh, the Amiga reviews and I, there it was reviewed all ten times, uh, anywhere from a ninety all the way down to a uh, looks like the lowest score I'm seeing is a seventy five. So that's a pretty good spread uh, of uh, of scores. <clears throat> it was very different when it came out. Uh, <laughs> like I said, I had not seen anything before, and I haven't seen anything like it really since. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know. I don't know if it's aged. I I don't think it's aged well. I mean, honestly. I think it's fair to say that it is not aged yeah. well. Yeah, but I mean, really, nothing changed. It was just it was always this slow mm-hmm. and and this ugly when it was available. So I mean, you know, it's it is what it was. Right. Um, on eBay, forget about it. I found two mm-hmm. listings. They're pre- they're up. They're I would I would guarantee you they're still available. Uh, a fellow was selling one. These are both in the U.S. This game did get a U.S. release on the Amiga, so there's that. Um, one fellow was trying to get this is shipped, mind you, in the U.S. dollars, 180 bucks. The other fellow laughed at that poultry sum and was asking 204 dollars oh. for it. So if you want to buy a boxed copy, get that code wheel and get that one disc, uh, you're going to pay. You're going to pay big money. Um, I don't think there was any sort of release that had like a Devo like pack in or anything. I've never heard of that, like mm-hmm. what was in it. As far as I know, it was just the you know the instruction book, the code wheel. I don't know why those would be that expensive. Just, I guess, the subject matter because William Gibson's still pretty popular. I think that the, you've got your Neuromancer collectors out there for sure. Well, you know, you could do, in terms of the collectability of this one, the, the, the box is pretty, pretty neat looking. It's pretty trippy looking, you know. Mm-hmm. It's got the Devo sticker on it. Yeah. Just don't tell anybody you know, <laughs> that they're, they're, they're very lightly involved. All right. Well, uh, as we wrap this thing up, uh, I'd like to thank you all for watching. Uh, as again, this is a fir- first show in our uh, new uh, studio setting here. Um, and I want to apologize to those of you that tuned in for the live stream that we had some technical difficulties uh, getting things uh, going with the, with the <laughs> laptop. Uh, but uh, I will try to improve on that for next time because I know they're a, a hardcore group uh, out there that, that love watching us live, so I'll try and improve that. Um, so uh, I also want to thank uh, Hall of Light also for uh, all oh, of the... Oh, every week, all week. Yeah, yeah every we week, all week. Guys. I feel a future site of the month coming there. Coming Absolutely. Uh, and I want to thank our Patreon supporters. Our Patreon supporters help keep this site going. Um, you can support Amigos at patreon.com slash amigospodcast. Uh, just like... Ian Griffiths, Duncan Stiles, THT, Anthony Jarvis, Dreamcatcher, Adam Battersby, John Marshall, Darren Coles, Neil Mansell, Brutal Barracuda, Alan Kebab, David McCrandles, Gary Hucker, Will Williams, Ravi Abbott, Kim Tommy Humberstad, Josh Nan, Jason Warrens, Lane, Eric Nelson, Graham W. Vebke, Paul Harrington, Rob O'Hara, Laurent Giroux, Jonas Rulo, Kjolbjorn Barman, Tabes from the Crypt, Adam Bradley, Chris Folds, Daniel Bingston, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Chad Halstead, and Brent Dowdy. So, Aaron, 
the time has come to talk about what we're going to do on our next week's show. All right, what do you got? Lay it on me, man. Well, this was your idea, so I thought we'd, we, we, we'd put it to work. We're going to do public domain-ation. Like what? domination. That's not what domain-ation. I said. I said public domainia. Well, I didn't like that. Domaination. I don't know. It's, it's a work domania. in progress. It's domainia. <laughs> so uh, look for that next week. And until then, adios. adios.